0: While the Patriots are using their dirty magic to make yet another appearance in the Super Bowl, we're here to talk some Broncos. We'll take a look at some of Denver's possible trade candidates, what they could net on the market, the latest Kirk Cousins to Denver rumors, and we'll take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to
1: show for all things Broncos.
0: That's right, everybody. Welcome in to the Huddle Up podcast presented by Mile High Huddle. It's been a little while. Apologize for being tardy, but it's time to drop some knowledge. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, Scout Media, CBS Sports Digital. With me is Will Keys, editor and writer at Mile High Huddle. Will, tell the truth. How much of the actual Senior Bowl did you watch?
1: Uh, I will tell the truth, and the truth is that I watched no more than about three or four plays And to be honest, the only one I really remember is that Josh Allen touchdown throw, which um, I'm sure, you know, most scouts will just forget every other throw that he made in that game and then focus in on that one. And uh, sure enough, he'll be picked number one by the Cleveland Browns.
0: That's the thing that's so frustrating about Josh Allen is there's so much about him that is just like, you know, you're going down the checkoff box on franchise quarterback at the pro level and he checks so many of the boxes, but you just can't trust him as a consistent executor or you know you hear the word like the phrase game manager thrown around like it's a negative in the NFL but the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL have been the the best game managers ever you look at Peyton Manning he was a phenomenal game manager He was a better game manager than his head coaches by and large can right. you trust Josh Allen to be a game manager can you trust him to you know, know when to put some touch on the ball, and hopefully spending some time with you know the Broncos coaches down there. I know for a fact they spent a lot of time trying to help him understand. Uh, Carl talked about it, uh, the difference between touch, You know, when you need to rifle it in there, and when you need to touch. Uh, use some touch. Because the problem is, A, his accuracy is, is all over the place, but B, half the time he throws it so hard that he's not actually giving his, his targets, his wide receivers, the best possible chance to catch the ball. And so you have this phenomenal athlete who could very well end up being the best quarterback in this class. I'll be honest with you. He could end up being the guy, you know, you go five years down the road, but he could also be, he also comes with the biggest bust factor, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me when you're not completing 60% of your passes against teams like Mountain West, I don't know. (laughs) uh, Let's just say Nevada, San Diego state, um Boise State's kind of just the upper echelon of competition you're going to get there. Yeah, it's a, little, a little concerning. I don't know about you, but that, that's it a is. little concerning for me.
0: And there was that video that uh, I think Nikki Jabala tweeted out from the Senior Bowl of uh, – I don't know if you saw this, Will, but it's a quick video of the quarterbacks on the North team throwing the ball to the net. And there's a little mini target inside the net that you're trying to hit, a big giant rectangle, and then a little small square inside you're trying to get the ball. Baker Mayfield goes first, boom, nice touch, boom, right on target into the little square, right? Score. Then Josh Allen gets up, does his thing, throws it, and misses the entire thing. And it's just like, dude. But at the same time, sometimes this is a guy, if if you watch his tape, and you saw it a little bit in the senior bowl. Oh, yeah. He's a gamer at times. Like, he can turn it on. And take over a game, but we've never really seen him against like the upper echelons of competition. And against the Senior Bowl, going against the South team, we saw him struggle with some inconsistencies. That once again, he struggled, and then had two phenomenal throws, both of which were for touchdowns.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, if if you had just watched the first half, kind of like John Elway did, because he was at that game of the the Idaho, I think it was Bowl, whatever mm-hmm. it was, in, it was in Boise Potato Bowl. Yeah, the Potato Bowl, sure. But if you just watch that and, and no other play from Josh Allen in his entire collegiate career, you would probably sell the farm for him, would you not? Right, right. That, the problem is you don't get that the whole time.
0: You do know, It's not. You can't count on him. But you know that's the thing is he's probably still going to end up a top fifteen pick. Like no, if I had I to bet money on it today, day. I would I would guess uh, that he's still going to be a top fifteen pick. And we'll talk a little bit more about it in the show today. You can't cross off the Broncos as a possibility as being the team that goes after him either, because we know the Broncos, we we know LA loves the, the, the height, the measurables guys, the big arm guys, you know, like he's, he falls in love with those guys and it hasn't paid off so well for him up to this point in his career as a front office guy. So maybe he is open to taking a different tact. And we know that Gary Kubiak is now part of this decision-making process that will kind of temper some of Elway's you know, predilections of the past, getting punch drunk with these big, tall 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", quarterbacks when getting you need seduced. to find the whole package. Getting seduced. There's the word. That's a better word. So, I don't go. know. We'll, we'll talk about it. But first, please understand, guys, we're here to give you a deep dive, huddle up podcast on your favorite team, the Denver Broncos. And right now, we're heading into one of the most exciting times on the NFL calendar, which is the offseason and the weeks and months leading up to the NFL draft, but we do need your help. We can't grow without you. Go to iTunes, go to stitch or whatever platform that you listen to this show and leave a creative review, rate the show. Absolutely important. It's a call to action. If you haven't done it yet as a regular listener to this show, I'm disappointed in you. Okay. Follow the show on Twitter at huddle up pod and at mile high huddle and take a second. Also mile high huddle on Facebook, and uh, if you're not subscribing, go ahead and correct that as well because this is going to be an absolutely critical and insane off season, and you're not going to want to miss a single episode. Now, we do have some stuff to get to, but first, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. You guys get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash up. Over 180,000 different titles to choose from whether you're on an iPhone, Android, Kindle, or even just an old MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash huddle up. This is an app that I use literally every single day. I used it today. In fact, I'm listening to a Stephen King book, and uh, I love it because as a big reader, I don't always have time to sit down, turn the pages, right, Will? But listening to Audible, I can do it when I'm driving to, uh, to work, taking the kids to school, Go at the gym, in the kitchen, whatever. So this is a great opportunity for you to see. If you like Audible, I promise you that you will. But you get a free audiobook download. You get a 30-day free trial, 180,000 titles to choose from when you're looking at what free audiobook you want to use for your trial. And at the end of 30 days, you'll have a decision to make, but I think you'll stick with it. So go to audibletrial.com slash huddle up. Also a phenomenal way to patronize our sponsors and support the show. All right, so... Let's talk uh, about Kirk Cousins. There was a report uh, over the Senior Bowl week that came out talking about uh, it being more likely than not that Kirk Cousins is headed to Denver. Now, to give this fella his due, I believe it was uh, Eric Galco from Optimum Scouting reported this. Now, you know, for most of us in, in Denver, it's, this comes as no surprise. We've been hearing all kinds of buzz like this for the better part of the last three months. But what he is reporting is that the Broncos have reportedly communicated early in January to the Cousins camp that they are ready to make a big offer. They're reportedly willing to pay in excess of $25 million per year and could even offer a deal that rivals or exceeds Matthew Stafford's five-year $135 million deal, of course, that he signed with the Detroit Lions. My question, Will, do you really want that? Do you really want now maybe you do want it but I want you to think about the the full magnitude and the different repercussions that come with paying a quarterback well let's face it it's not going to be 25 million per year Kirk Cousins yeah. is probably going to get closer to 30 I would think do you really want to tie up 90 to 100 million dollars in guaranteed money on your salary cap over the next 3 seasons and then how are you going to build around him what are you going to do do you think he's really the guy that's going to come in similar to what Peyton Manning did in 2012 with this by and large, the same roster that Tim Tebow had, and take a team that at that point was eight and eight and elevate them to thirteen and three. So let's say in this case, Broncos finished five and eleven last year, of course. He comes in. Do you think he's gonna the Broncos are gonna go ten and six, 11 and five? Do you really think he can do that? And is that worth paying him that kind of money?
1: Do I think that Kirk Cousins can make the Broncos a playoff team in one year? Yes, I do. However, um and the one thing that i'm confident you know is i don't think he's going to get in a bidding war and that's kind of the danger that you get into when you go after a guy like Kirk Cousins just because we haven't seen really a quarterback of his caliber hit the open market and granted he hasn't hit the open market yet market yet but right. you know when that when that day does come if it does i imagine that and people will be offering him very large ridiculous sums of money so i'm if, if I was the fan of a team with a, with a lesser or maybe not lesser, but less stubborn GM um, maybe like the, the jets or a team like, I don't know, the Jaguars, for example, I would be a little bit concerned. Um, but I don't think necessarily that Kirk cousins, you know, wants Matthew Stafford money. I think he wants Kirk cousins money and, and that's going to be closer to $30 million. I, and, looking at those figures you know 25 and, and 30 that's a big difference um, about how they think about you as a quarterback right. so I I don't think that that Kirk Cousins would bite for that and, and so I think that's going to leave you know Denver looking for an option in the draft
0: I hope that's the direction it goes I'll be honest with you you know and you look at the Redskins they're picking 13 um, there's been Questions of possibly the Redskins, and you know, it's been talked about all over the place. But the Redskins either franchise tagging, which is very prohibitive because they'd have to guarantee him 35, I think, 34 and a half or 35 million guaranteed for one season, or uh, transition tagging him, and then of course, turning around and putting him on the trading block and moving him that way. So, what I've heard bandied about is a likely scenario if the Redskins, because you look at it from their point of view, they drafted him in 2012 and he's turned into you know one of the better quarterbacks in the league, they don't want to just let him. If, if he's going to go and that relationship has deteriorate, uh, deteriorated to the point of no return, they want to at least get something in return for their investment and the development right. and all that. So why not transition tag him? It's not as prohibitive as a franchise tag turnaround. Now, what would they ask for a team like the Broncos? What would they ask in exchange? And I've heard that they would be looking at a – hey, well, let's swap first-round picks. We'll give you Kirk Cousins, which will give you the privilege of being able to offer him a 28 $29, 30000000 dollars million-a-year contract. We'll get your fifth overall pick in the draft. You can pick at 13. To me, to me, that's just too rich, knowing that at pick five, you're almost guaranteed one of the top three quarterbacks in this class, and it's a strong quarterback class. You're guaranteed, odds are, either sam darnold josh rosen or baker mayfield and you look at baker mayfield i mean this is a guy who down in mobile answered a lot of questions now for me i haven't you know i've made very little secret about the fact that he's been my top quarterback in the class but he did have some some things some questions to answer down in mobile and i think he did it went a a good distance toward answering most of them let's talk about it his height Everyone was questioning. You know, Oklahoma had him listed at six one, and it was pretty obvious. He's just looking at him on film that he's not six one. Well, he got there late, but it's, he still had to measure in and do all the stuff. Ended up checking in at six foot three inches, so just over six foot. That's fine. His hands are nine and a half inches, which is still on the the uh, smaller side, but still. Uh, you know, acceptable for NFL standards, and then his weight for his size. The one good thing you can say about him is he's thick. You know, he's two sixteen at the Senior Bowl, and that's with a couple of weeks off from playing actual football or whatever. So his his peak playing uh, size, weight wise, is probably closer to two twenty. So for me, that's been a big thing, right? Well, the whole measurable thing is he actually under five foot. Where does he or six foot? Where does he check in? And then you look at what he did at the Senior Bowl in terms of. I mean. You guys, I'm sure have been listening to those of you, uh, the, the religious listeners of the show, what Carl's talked about over the last three podcasts, his experience down in senior at the Senior Bowl and what he observed. I mean, Baker Mayfield is a dynamo. He's a leader. He his teammates love him. He's a guy that gets things going on the field. He's a workaholic. He's a he's a perfectionist that tries to master his craft. He sucked at taking his drop from under center. But by the time those three days of practice were done, he worked out a lot of the kinks in that. So I prefer, what I'm getting at here, Will, is rather than selling the farm, to go get a guy like Kirk Cousins. And granted, it's not that I think Kirk Cousins sucks. I, I don't. I think he's he's a great quarterback. I have no problem with it in terms of of him on the surface, but his cost compared to where the Broncos are as a franchise and what they need, I right. prefer to go all in on a Baker Mayfield or a Josh Rosen or a Sam Darnold and use that cousin's money to rebuild the roster with some veteran talent and build that way.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to what you actually think of the quarterback. Class And I think this kind of happens every year, but people kind of switch back and forth from saying it's the best quarterback class we've seen in years to it's the worst quarterback class we've seen in a long time. And typically it's somewhere in the middle. Um, But if you look at the Broncos and where they are at five, you have to assume that the Browns will take a quarterback and you, you never know because they're the Browns and like well, but John, John Dorsey's
0: running it now, so you got to feel you got to expect things to be a little bit different in that department. I think you're going to see a more with it type of yeah. um, on draft day. But go on.
1: Yeah, I mean, just keep in mind uh, it is indeed still the city of Cleveland. <laughs> uh, but let yeah, let's just say that they take one of the three quarterbacks, and let's say you know they take Darnold at one because Josh Rowe play for them, right. uh, and, and the Giants take in uh, at two. The Colts take whoever because they still have Andrew Luck. Um, I don't know who's picking fourth again. Fourth is Cleveland again. Oh, right. So, you know, they could always take two quarterbacks, just kind of hedge their bets. <laughs> um, but like in the show, he might make some sound decisions. So I really do think it's going to come down to, to Josh Allen um, or Baker Mayfield. And uh, I'll just say that a few years ago, I might have been in the Josh Allen camp. Just because you get, you know, to tease a call by some of the the really flashy passes, and that kind of happened to me, and I think a lot of other a lot of other people watching oh. Paxton Lynch play at Memphis against Ole Miss, where he has that that throw where he rolls out to the left and then throws all the way across the field to Anthony Miller for a touchdown, or maybe it's most or whatever. Um, but we gotta <laughs> we gotta get off of that and, and look at look at consistency. I think. And Josh Allen is not a very consistent passer. He is an incredible passer at times, um, but he's not a guy like you said that you can rely on from quarter one to quarter four. Uh, and, and it's not, a, you know, this isn't baseball where you know you hit you hit a couple home runs and you're good for the rest of the game. You got to keep that offense consistently moving. And I think Baker Mayfield's a lot closer to that guy. He's yeah. instant offense, uh, and you know he, he's he's very consistent in making the the short and intermediate throws and. I think that's what it, it really takes to win in today's NFL.
0: And he's mobile, and he's, yes. a, he's a firecracker. He's a competitor that wants to win. That's the biggest thing is yes. we saw him out on the field, and obviously he ended up being the starting quarterback for the North team. Didn't play, what, two series or whatever, but like he that. still earned the opportunity to be the starting quarterback. This isn't a guy like you go back to the last couple of years with Paxton Lynch. This, Let's face it, Paxton Lynch was A-OK with being the backup quarterback. He's fine with that. He's fine with sitting. He's, he's fine with that. And you don't – a guy you invest a first-round pick in, you can't have that. It's one of the most disappointing aspects the Broncos have had with Paxton Lynch is he's not the competitor that they thought he was. He's just right. not. Where and they, and they need that spark. And neither is Trevor Simeon. And you know what? Brock Osweiler, for all his bluster and all his leadership skills uh, and his ability to sound like a stud at the podium – it just never translates on game day consistently, you know, and, and, you know, he can do things at times that make you go, wow, maybe there is something with Brock Osweiler. And then, you know, the next quarter you're like, Oh, yep, there's Brock again. That's the guy we know. (laughs) The Broncos need some of a little bit of everything. They need some of Paxton Lynch's, you know, physicality and athleticism, They need some of Brock Osweiler's leadership and charisma. They need some of Trevor Simeon's football smarts and just you know savvy in that sense. And I think they could get a lot of that with one guy, and that's Baker Mayfield, and then take that to another level in terms of what he's able to do as a competitor. Plus, Will, here's one thing to keep in mind. You go out and you draft Baker Mayfield, you're bringing a brand to the Denver Broncos, not unlike Tebow Mania, not in the same manic sense that Tebow Mania was with the blind followers and
1: Yeah, well, it's it's identity. It's
0: identity. Uh, identity. That's a good point. And it's selling a crap load of tickets and getting excitement back in the Mile High City.
1: Correct. And that can obviously go, you know, one of many ways. It's closer to, I don't know, uh, let's just say for comparison based on the height, uh, closer to, you know, Russell Wilson levels of success versus – John- jonathan manzel levels of success too i'll <laughs> no, just no. i'll just throw in that he's um actively auditioning for the for the xfl now so maybe not go the boy. road you want to go yeah maybe not the road you want to <laughs> go down uh, again you know the just that's just what cleveland does they they pick out those uh those diamonds in the rough one way or another
0: I'll just say this, though, and we'll move on, is, you know what, if the Broncos go out and they end up getting Kirk Cousins, I'm not going to be brokenhearted, all right? Listen, I mean, there's, there's oh, far, worse, yeah. far worse situations to be in. The Broncos need a quarterback. Uh, the, in the NFL, it's such a quarterback-starved league that if the Broncos can get one of the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL and build around that, I'm going to be okay with it. But I still think they're best off using that fifth overall pick on a guy like baker mayfield if they can get him and if not you know there's a good chance of Darnold or rosen um but save some of that money will save that money and go out and sign a right tackle you know trade and get a right tackle uh through the trading blocks i mean find a way to use that money to build around your quarterback and it's that's the thing man i just think about that 30 million bucks Correct, and it just doesn't sit with me, right, dude? I just, it just bothers me because if if it was if it was Peyton Manning, you're you're saying I got to pay you thirty million bucks, fine, do it. You know, if it's Tom Brady, pay the man his money. If it's Aaron Rodgers, give it to him. Even Russell Wilson, give it to him. Uh, Drew
1: Brees, not maybe not quite anymore, but Kirk Cousins. Well, guys like guys like Peyton Manning and I'll throw in Tom Brady as well. Um, even though we're not fans of him, I assume on this on this podcast, but they always take and Aaron Rodgers actually too. They always take less than because if you're going to pay a guy like Aaron Rodgers what he's actually worth in relation to right. all the quarterbacks, it'd probably be like forty million dollars. Um, obviously, that's not realistic, um, but they know that they have to sacrifice some of their own salary. To ensure um, that they have players around them, and, yeah. and that actually makes them more valuable in the long run. Obviously, um, just yeah. because it, you know it keeps them successful, keeps them healthy. Um, if you want to talk about building an offensive line, uh, but that's where you run into trouble is when you pay a quarterback who's maybe you know, let's say Cousins is anywhere from like eight to twelve in terms of the quarterback power rankings, and yeah. you're paying yeah. him like a top three quarterback. Right, and I, I kind of—I no, remember no. I wrote about He's like
0: it. Number one, dude. Yeah, that's yeah. what we're talking about here. He's well, going to be getting number one money.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll see. You never know with Garoppolo. Now he could break the bank, and John Lynch might be emptying mm-hmm. out a few, mm-hmm. you know, several Brinks trucks uh, <laughs> in, in front of his in front of his driveway. Um, but I wrote about it. The best formula for success, I think, is you know Tom Brady's aside, where they're actually earning far less than what they're worth in the quarterback market is you draft the quarterback and you build the team around them and you win in their first four years. Yep. And that that's generally proven to be a much more successful um, route to winning in the NFL than just throwing money at the problem.
0: Agreed. And we still have multiple, multiple weeks until – Ah, uh, we get to well, we're going to get to free agency, of course, before draft day. The new league year is going to open up in March. The draft is going to be at the end of April. So a lot of our questions are going to be answered, uh, and not too—it's not too far off. A little bit over a month actually till till the new league year opens up. And let me just say this: we know that John Elway's model uh, has seems to be in terms of what has worked for him as a front office czar is spending money on the free agent market to get the quarterback. And while I'm not going to put that past him, I'm not here to say he's not going to do that again in 2018 with a guy like Kirk Cousins. What I am going to say is that money that he spent, because back in 2012, that 20 million a year that they were paying Peyton Manning was ridiculous money. Okay. That was like, Holy crap. We're paying 20 million bucks to a quarterback, but that was for a proven guy. And yeah, there were questions about Peyton in his neck, but that was a guy who had it. That was a guy who'd been to the top of the mountain. You knew what you were getting. Kirk Cousins is Johnny really willing to bet the farm. Kirk Cousins. We're going to know in just a few weeks, and we still have a lot to get to, including the Mile High mailbag. But first, I want to talk to you about why you need to capitalize on what's going on right now at Mile High Huddle with our five-for-one flash sale on VIP memberships. We've been running it for the last few days in honor of the Senior Bowl and Carl being down in Mobile. It's been phenomenal. Those of you who have signed up, it's been uh, seriously in the years that, let's see, we started Mile High Huddle back in 2014. I started it, and this week has been the most phenomenal response in terms of signups on the VIP membership side that I've ever experienced. And I want to say thank you to everyone that who, who has pulled the trigger. But for those of you who haven't, you still have time. Now, we're tracking this on Sunday. Uh, the VIP flash sale getting five months for the price of one goes through Monday. So you still have one more day. Probably when you listen to this, you'll have at least one more day uh, to pull the trigger and take advantage of this. And what you get is, look – At Mile High Huddle, the podcast that you're listening to now, it's an extension of what we do at milehighhuddle.com. And our approach to covering the Broncos, we're not here to just report the news. You've heard us talk about it many times. Everybody does that. All our competition, bless their hearts, they do that mostly, uh, stick to the newswire, because that's what gets the clicks, right? That's what gets the traffic. What we focus on is we want to dive deeper. We want to break the Broncos down in depth, whether it's all 22 film reviews, you know, X's and O's study the game, study the team, deep dive on player evaluation. And now in the offseason, big time NFL draft and free agency analysis, buzz insider stuff. And we save that for our VIP subscribers, our premium members. So go to milehighhuddle.com. Uh You're going to see the the ad for it, or you can just click on uh, the, the green bar that says VIP subscribe, click on the monthly option It'll cost you $5. bucks. you will be locked in through July. It's a great opportunity, and I'm here to tell you, you pull the trigger, you're not going to be disappointed. You have my word. All right, now let's talk about another little piece of news that hit the open uh, newswire over the weekend, something that Mile High Huddle VIPs, let me just say, have known about this for a couple of months now. But, again, it is starting to break far and wide. Jeff Legwald is reporting it, Mike Cliss, you name it. The Broncos are going to try to trade – Pro Bowl cornerback, Akib Tlaib. Now, Will, let's look at his contract. He is scheduled to make this year, he's going to count $12 million against the cap in 2018, uh, $8 million against the cap in 2019. Now, let me ask you this. Will, you're an NFL GM. You're maybe a team that's looking for that veteran piece that's going to get you over the Super Bowl hump. You need that shutdown corner that you can ride for a year or two down into the dirt. Would you trade for Akib Tlaib? And if so, what would you be willing to give up for the 32-year-old corner coming off another Pro Bowl berth?
1: I think I would give up some type of mid-round pick. Let's say I am, for instance, uh, less need the Los Angeles Rams. And you've got the team that probably was a year away at least at this point, but good enough to make the playoffs. Um, but obviously has a lot of young potential and, and is developing obviously in the right direction with Jared Goff and, and Todd Gurley and, and then the rest of that defense. Right, that D. So do you want to sacrifice, let's say let's say the Rams are, you know, picking for the sake of argument, twenty-seventh next year. Do you want to give up a, a draft pick like that in the second second round or third round for keep to leap for um, let's say two years to reunite him with Wade Phillips and, and also cave on Webster mm-hmm. uh, and then really solidify your secondary and make it into from like a strength to some type of superhuman uber strength like the Broncos had in 2015, which obviously turned out to be pretty successful. I think that's a fair trade.
0: And I think that that's also something Aqib Tlaib would be down for because he and yeah. Wade Phillips have a very close Relationship. Any of you who haven't had the opportunity to read Wade Phillips' book titled Son of Bum, it's a quick and easy read. It's a phenomenal read. You learn a lot not only about Wade Phillips but about your team, the Denver Broncos, because so much of his uh, – many of his best years as an NFL he- uh, coach and head coach and coordinator have come with the Broncos and, of course, being capped off with his time winning the Super Bowl with Denver in 2015 – but they have a very close relationship, Wade Phillips and Aqib Tlaib. And Tlaib would look at that and say, look, I, I see that this is a team that's on the cusp. They made the playoffs. They already have a legit defense. Wade is you know, doing his thing. The offense has shown some explosive propensities. Yeah, I can do this. But the question would be, would L.A. be willing to absorb that $12 million? Because here's the thing, a lot of teams are – you know, uh, In fact, this was something that Legwald reported is that in his time down in uh, Mobile himself, he talked to three different GMs and asked if they'd be open or willing to trade for to Tlaib. And one of the things he talked about is just the leverage aspect of it, which is the Broncos are faced with having to pay him $12 million, but if they cut him they are only going to be on the hook for a million dollars in dead cap. So NFL GMs around the league, they're looking at that and they're going, why would we give up any kind of draft capital, a late second, a third, a fourth or a fifth round pick, whatever it could end up being, when there's a good chance we could openly negotiate with them on the open market because the Broncos are going to have to cut him, you know, advantageous for them at this point. If they really want to move past Akeem Tlaib, it might just be easier to cut him.
1: Right. And that I think is dependent on, you know, the elephant in the room that we discussed prior, which is a potential Kirk Cousins contract. Mm. So if they don't sign Kirk Cousins, but they still want to and I don't know necessarily that these these two things are dependent on one another. I, you know, it, it would make a lot of sense that if they sign Kirk Cousins, you would wait it out and you wouldn't offer a draft pick for someone that you could negotiate with and, and have leverage like Wade Phillips and Kayvon Webster and a winning football team on your side. Sign cousins uh, and they still want to make a play for for a guy like Tlaib. obviously um the the recent events and and the news just coming out shows that the Broncos are trying to just cut costs in general and and I think what this kind of says in a in a bigger bigger picture type of sense is that the Broncos are trying to get younger and maybe mm-hmm. not completely rebuild but kind of kind of cycle in new players right. and let Bradley Roby, who is a former first round pick. You know, make his way up to, to the outside and next to Chris Harris on the depth chart. Be efficient and thrifty and economical and get some younger guys in that, that don't quite cost as much while letting a guy like to Tlaib finish out his career with a successful team. I, I think that's still an attractive thing to say, you know, we'll send you a third or a fourth and you send us Tlaib, you know, uh, kind of get something out of that deal.
0: What the Broncos do have going for him in terms of leverage – on the trade market is, yeah, by this point, uh, by the time the new league year opens up, Tlaib will be 32 years old. He's 31 now. He's going to be 32 very soon. But what they have going for him is the fact that he's coming off yet again another Pro Bowl berth. So that was 14, 15, 16, 17. That's his fifth consecutive trip to the Pro Bowl. And, yeah, he's getting up there. But teams can't say, well, look, he was good a couple years ago. They can say, well, he's you know, he's he's still playing among the best in the NFL. But – what we know watching Aqib Talib, is that he took a lot of plays off in 2017. So NFL GMs, they're going to notice that too. And they're going to wonder if his heart is still in the game. They're also going to uh, hear about, and I'm sure well aware of, a lot of the trouble he's caused in the locker room and how he's upset the Alpacar in many ways in terms of kind of corrupting the culture for the Broncos. And that's another reason why Denver wants to move on from him and kind of start clean in that respect and one thing I'll be curious to see, Will, and maybe it's not a, a big concern because these are professionals after all, but I'll be interested if the Broncos move on from Tlaib one way or another, whether they release him or trade him, how Chris Harris Jr. is going to handle that, not just in terms of his performance on the field, but what kind of, how, he, how he's going to portray that uh, in the media, what kind of things he may or may not say. Like, it's been, most of his football career has been spent playing with to Tlaib, both at college and at the pro level. Without him, I'm curious to see how that will affect our former undrafted, gem.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's never ideal, and you don't like to see great duos like that be split apart. But at the same time, all great things must come to an end, and that's especially true in professional sports. And to use the old cliche, the NFL is the most business of businesses.
0: That's right. So, business B- yes.
1: yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, I just created an adverb. Boom. Um, that's right. Uh, but to be honest, it, it was going to happen at one point or another, um, whether it was through suspension, retirement or release gunshot uh, hopefully wound, hopefully trade, hopefully not gunshot. wound. <laughs> we're talking about the, the Plaxico Burris kind of gunshot wound here. Um, indeed. Indeed. Best case scenario uh, when, when talking about gunshot wounds. Um, but I think he'll be okay. And he's played with guys like Chant Bailey, Bradley Roby, Aqib Tlaib, a counterpart. I think he'll be plenty happy.
0: Well, we'll see how it shakes out. Now, before we get to the mailbag, <clears throat> one last piece of uh, news to dissect that is uh, semi-Broncos related. It's definitely conference related. Is the fact that Josh McDaniels, all signs are pointing Hopefully. to him being a, a shoe-in for the Colts head coaching job uh, once the Super Bowl is in the books. And listen, It's easy to joke about Josh McDaniels. I do it all the time. But let me ask you this. Okay, put on your serious hat for just a moment. Does the notion of a Josh McDaniels many years removed from his mistake in Denver, so does that scare you, the idea of Josh McDaniels going to Indy, picking up Andrew Luck as his quarterback, his phenomenal offensive system, which we know can produce some fireworks, and maybe even picking up a a weapon like Saquon Barkley with the third pick in the draft? Does that scare you at all from a conference perspective?
1: I'll answer that question kind of in a roundabout way, which is Andrew Luck paired with Saquon Barkley does in fact scare me, but Andrew Luck paired with Saquon Barkley with the plays being called by Josh McDaniels does not scare me any more than the first option of Andrew Luck and Saquon Barkley and, you know, coach slash coordinator X scares me. Mm -hmm. The, you know, Josh McDaniels himself does not scare me one bit. See, Barkley though, I think is you know something to get a little get a little nervous about. See, I'm I'm
0: on the flip side of that coin. I think that with the benefit of hindsight, learning some lessons, and picking the right destination as his his next head coaching job, I honestly I'm of the opinion. I know it's it's counter to popular belief in uh, Broncos country, sure but I is. think Josh McDaniels is gonna make some noise. In Indianapolis, and especially if, let me couch that: that is as long as Andrew Luck is actually going to be healthy in 2018 and and start and do his thing. If McDaniel's does in fact get paired up with Andrew Luck, I think you're going to see Indianapolis shake off the dust, shake off the cobwebs. You know, stomp down Tennessee. They're they're going to have their hands full. Let's face it, with Jacksonville for a few years, but. Uh Houston, no problem. I think you're gonna see Indianapolis become a factor again in the conference.
1: I yeah, see, I I when you're making that divisional argument, I, I think there's more to be worried about than just Jacksonville. And you never know. Would you be shocked if Jacksonville fell down to seven and nine next year? While
0: no, absolutely not, because of the quarterback.
1: Right. And yeah, that's the one thing. And maybe that changes if they are they're the team that lands Kirk Cousins. Um, Or someone like Alex Smith, which has kind of been thrown out there. Yeah, But you could see a team like Houston step up with Deshaun Watson in year two. He stays healthy, presumably, for a full year. Uh, And obviously, that's never 100%. And and maybe a team like Tennessee upgrading, you would hope, from Mike Malarkey to Mike Mike Vrabel. Hopefully, that is uh, for them an upgrade. You never know with a first time head coach. Never do. And a guy who, who's, you know, rose up so quickly like Vrabel has from player to coach to head coach. Yeah, but it wasn't that long not, ago. It
0: wasn't yeah, that long ago. He was man he in the was,
1: egg. He was catching touchdowns for the Chiefs.
0: <laughs> indeed. Um, indeed.
1: Yeah. And it, it's just not, um, it's not a cakewalk in that division anymore. I agree.
0: And I agree. But Obviously, I'm not sold of- on Watson, dude. I'm not sold on Deshaun Watson quite yet. Like he lit it up, um, yeah. but he's overcoming a significant injury. Sure. You never know. Rosters turnover every year. O'Brien's a savvy coach, and he's he's a great pr- uh, play caller. But he's also the same guy that refused to give Watson any first team reps during training camp, and only turned to him in the season when he had no choice because yeah. Tom well, Savage crapped the bit. So
1: I'm not. I'm not here to argue that. Bill O'Brien knows anything about managing a quarterback situation? Obviously he does not. <laughs> he, you know, he changes quarterbacks like people change shirts. But I think if you get Watson back and he was well, he had what? Like 19 touchdown passes, not even last yeah, the season. Yeah. yeah, he he was playing really really lights out ball, uh, making guys like, you know, Will Fuller look like Jerry Rice 2.0. He,
0: he was on deck to basically shatter all the noise Cam Newton made his rookie year and all those records he set as a quarterback, rookie quarterback.
1: Right, right. So I think if you get that level of play from Deshaun Watson and you get JJ Watt back, I think possibly more importantly, that's a, a really formidable opponent, at least in the AFC South. And then, you know, you have obviously two other playoff teams like the Titans and the Jags.
0: Yeah. And and I agree. I mean, it's it's definitely a road fraught with peril, but you get Andrew Luck back at full power, full Ability and Josh McDaniels savvy, I just think there's there's more good in store for here's that the, team. Okay, here's the thing that. about
1: McDaniels is knowing what we know about McDaniels outside of the Bill Belichick, New England Patriots empire,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he's not very successful. He had something like the 17th offense uh, during his time in Denver, and I think – I'll have to back this up, but the year that he was a coordinator – in uh, St. Louis. St. Louis at the time with Sam Bradford. I think he played the whole season, hopefully. Uh, they were 32nd in offense, and I, I just don't trust him away from the Patriots system. I don't trust him without Tom Brady, without... I don't know, because does the Patriots system kind of... And this is a little philosophical question. Is the Patriots offensive system? Because we know Bill Belichick is is a defensive guy, but is, is that there regardless of coordinator and and does it just kind of exist in a vacuum or does the coordinator you know bring it with them
0: right I think I think what you see mostly is you know compare for example because when McDaniels left for Denver you saw the rise of Bill O'Brien who then McDaniels was able to go back to New England because O'Brien took the head coaching job at Penn State right and I think when you compare the difference between these two guys their systems are you know, distinctly Tom Brady, New England Patriot systems. The big difference is play calling acumen and just having that savvy and being in the zone and knowing how to exploit. And if you look at the results, they won. They First of all, with Josh McDaniels, they set all those records in 2007 – Right. right, which got him or 2008. Which year was it? It was 2007.
1: Yeah,
0: anyway, that eventually landed him that head, unprecedented head coaching/slash GM job in Denver. Um, but not only that. They went on quite the dry spell of not winning championships, making it to the Super Bowl, losing to the Giants twice, and they finally got back in a 1-2 now with Josh McDaniels. So, I don't know. You could be right. I mean, far be it for me to stand up and, and pound the table for a guy like Josh McDaniels. My gut just tells me this time around, I think he's going to have a little bit different story, especially going to a place like Indy with Andrew Luck. Now, before we get out of here... It's that time of week. We're going to take a peek inside the mailbag. Mile-high mailbag, you guys. We're your Broncos priests. We're here to offer absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And our first one comes from Eric Roddy on Twitter, at Eric Roddy 14 His question, Will, are the Broncos going to draft a quarterback? My answer is yes. Let me, let me parlay that. Hmm. When will the Broncos draft a quarterback in 2018?
1: What round? I think it's got to be number one. Round number one, Boom. pick number
0: five. Amen. I think the Broncos would be remiss to pass up on the opportunity with such a high pick and a relatively strong quarterback class to not use that pick on a guy who you can build your franchise around for the next 10 years. And I understand, look, Elway's the track record and, and everyone being afraid of the fact that the Broncos have failed pretty spectacularly in in developing their own draft picks and especially a first rounder and such a recent failure in Paxton Lynch. But I think with Gary Kubiak being involved now in the decision-making process, because in hindsight, what we've learned is the Paxton Lynch pick in 2016, even though Gary Kubiak was still the head coach, that was a John Elway pick. That wasn't a Gary Kubiak pick. That was a John Elway doing a John Elway thing. And so this time around, I think it can be different. I think they can make the right decision and put the right pieces in place.
1: Yeah. um, I I think if you tear away the infatuation that that John Elway has with, for some reason, you know, be, having the height of a of an NBA power forward, <laughs> <laughs> and and the accuracy of you know a, a Winchester musket, mm-hmm. I, I think you know guys like Gary Kubiak and um, Bill Musgrave as well probably know pretty well between the two of them. And then add in, obviously, and even Vance Joseph, who played quarterback himself, um, I think you can rub a few brain cells together and and really evaluate yourself a good quarterback.
0: Plus, it must be said, you know, we've talked about this. It was so great for Denver to accept the opportunity to coach the Senior Bowl because they now have up-close and personal intel on guys like Allen Mayfield, uh, Luke Falk, Tanner Lee is probably going to go undrafted, but those three guys, they have up close and personal intel on that, that other teams, you know, they might know a lot of the same stuff, but the Broncos got to work them in their system. They got to hammer them. I mean – they yeah, took. They, they uh, did install. So listen. Whatever. Senior Bowl uh, for there's three practices. Okay, the first day, which was Tuesday, is supposed to be install day. That's where you're given the plays you're going to learn, the systems you're going to learn that you're going to practice throughout the week. The Broncos wanted to throw as much as they possibly could at these quarterbacks, and they actually t- their install went all the way into Wednesday. Most of Wednesday was also their install. So I mean, they were th- they they were thrown as much as they could at baker mayfield josh allen and luke fall just to see what what would stick just to see how these guys could handle it how quickly they how they could retain it and then not only that duplicate it out on the field and all that so i think there's if you look at the big picture and you look at the full body of evidence the broncos are going to have a lot more uh, a lot better information i think this time around to make the right decision at pick five yeah i agree Last question, and then we are out of here, comes from Mike Middleton on Twitter, at 3rd underscore I84. His question, of the players being mentioned in trade rumors, Tlaib, Simeon, CJ, uh, et cetera, what are realistic trade values for each? All right, so let me serve this up. Will, what's a realistic, quick one or two-sentence answer, realistic trade uh, value for Akib Tlaib?
1: I'm going to say... Uh, late third, early fourth.
0: Agreed. Trevor Simeon,
1: late six, early seven.
0: Agreed. And let's throw a couple more on top of what Mike didn't mention. Let's say Emmanuel Sanders.
1: I'm gonna say third.
0: I think you can get a third for Emmanuel Sanders for the right team. Uh, CJ Anderson, if if you're able to trade him, what's a realistic value for him?
1: Uh, given that he's a running back, probably fourth or fifth. Probably mm. closer to fifth.
0: I would say, yeah, I would say probably fifth, sixth round, or maybe a seventh even if uh, because his contract is four and a half million bucks. Right, right. Um, well, it's one last one. Let's say uh, Demarius Thomas, just for you know what's in gigs. Demarius Thomas, realistic value, if you could trade him, what?
1: Um, I wouldn't give him up for anything less than a first. That's just me. But I think true market value, probably a high second, I would say.
0: Hmm. <laughs> That's a tough one, man. That's he's a tough number, one. To put. He's the
1: number one receiver who hasn't played with a, a really competent quarterback in a long time.
0: Is He thirty yet? I think he's turning thirty. Right? I think he just turned thirty. It's close. close. In December on Christmas Day. Oh, I,
1: can t- I can tell you this: he's a lot more valuable than Des Bryant is right now.
0: Ooh, big time! Big time!
1: That was the well, debate for a long time, wasn't it?
0: It was, and Des <laughs> Bryant uh, was the one everyone well, always. It looks so good to.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. But uh, hopefully that answers your question a little bit, Mike, in terms of what the Broncos realistically could expect to get from some of these guys. Here's one more, one more, just for a bonus round. Paxton Lynch, realistic trade value. Ooh, fourth. Mm -hmm. I think that's the best case scenario. Probably fourth, fifth, somewhere in there. The Broncos will ask for more. But they could probably they'll probably end up with a fourth round pick if they really aggressively push them on the trading block, which I think that'll be dependent on what they do in free agency. But listen, guys, that's all the time we have for today. We apologize, Will and I, for not being uh, as on top of things the last couple of weeks. We had some technical difficulties. We've had some scheduling conflicts. That we did. We're, al- we're always going to fight to uh, to get here for you as often as we can. We try to make it for you even in the off season at least once a week. So. Bear with us. We appreciate you guys. Don't forget the flash sale. You got one more day Monday uh, to get five months of mile high huddle premium for the price of one, which is five bucks. You can find Will in the Twitterverse, at WillKey6, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Always tweet us your questions, and we're going to try to address your concerns on the show as often as we can. And, uh, of course, Nick and Carl will continue to drop some knowledge on the draft leading up to the big day. And uh, make sure you're subscribing, y'all. For Will, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.